Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory to In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We celebrate this feast with great joy, where our Lord shines forth in his divinity to his disciples. His divinity, which of course he did not somehow obtain or was gifted with, but it was the reality and the truth of the Son of God coming into the world as one of us. That they were able to behold him as he actually was. It wasn't that all of a sudden uh, their physical eyes saw something they had never seen before, but that they were enlightened with the Holy Spirit to be able to see God. That that light, that reality was always there. This feast is an incredible feast because, like all feasts of our Lord, there's so many threads coming together in this feast and places to go to contemplate. But this evening, I just want us to think about those that our Lord was talking with that was standing on his right and his left, Moses and Elijah. Of course, Moses and Elijah, these are the two great icons, of course, of the law, and then of the prophets for Elijah. And it is, of course, between the two of them this, of course, works very well. You can imagine when somebody sat down to first do an icon for this feast, it's like, it's already all here for me, even hieratically. Like, on the mountain, I can put some down here, right and left. It's already drawn up for me. I don't have to do, like, the nativity where it's like, how in the world do I get every aspect of this feast into this icon? Well, we have Moses, who, as we heard in the readings this evening, ascends Mount Sinai, and in the cloud receives from God the law. And it is connected to that receiving of the law, of course, that God, uh, that Moses wishes to see God. He's not going up on the mountain for that 40 days of fasting and prayer to not hopefully see God. But God says, you cannot see my face, but I'll show you my backside. I will show you a little bit of myself. We have Elijah, the prophet, who himself ascends the mountain. Now, there's a little confusion about Sinai and Horeb. Some explanations are that there was a two peak mountain that were connected to each other. Or it was one side was called Sinai and the other side was called Horeb. Whatever the case is for Israel, they saw Elijah going up the same mountain that Moses had. Now, Elijah's at a very different point in his prophetic career. He is not Moses who's going to receive the law, who's going to have his disappointment later with Israel. But Elijah is at the bottom. He had his mountaintop experience on Mount Carmel, and now he is distraught. He's seeking God. Does not have the same language of Moses. He's not seeking God in his face. But as God who comes to him, draws him to himself, and then also puts him in a cave in the mountain, and comes by 
not with the pyrotechnics and the cloud of Sinai, which is what Moses experienced. Those all go by, and it's Elijah who hears the still, small wind, the whisper of God's presence in his dejection, in his despair. So when we come to this feast, we see Moses who stands upon the law. There's an icon of obedience. And we have Elijah and the fieriness, right, of calling down that fire to consume the altar, of the prophetic zeal that Elijah has, both of them seeking God. And now in Christ, they get the fulfillment of what they sought. Moses now sees the face of God. Elijah is given great comfort and is able not just hear a whisper, but to hear the word himself speak to him. So, of course, this is why when Peter and James and John realize what is going on, they're talking to each other. Can you imagine what the conversation was about? <laughs> Moses and Elijah with our Lord, seeing finally the fulfillment of everything that they had hoped for. The father spent a lot of time wondering, because Elijah, of course, he went up in a fiery chariot. So we know that he took his body with him. Moses, what do we know about Moses? He didn't make it into the promised lands. He was buried. His body was buried. So the father spent a lot of time. What, what do we do with the body here, with Moses? So some of them are, he's there, he's imaged forth, and others are like, God can do what God's going to do, so he probably had his body. <laughs> why, why these little details? Because we have before us, in this feast, the perfection, the fulfillment of the law and the prophets, where God himself in flesh, who brings resurrection, life, light to fallen human nature, by becoming one of us. This is why when he's put into a, the grave, as Peter in his sermon says, that he could not be held in death because he was life and light. We ourselves approach and talk to our Lord through our obedience to the commandments, like Moses, asking for his meekness, for his spirit that allows us to follow after God's commandments. And even as an example of not following God's commandments at those times, to see that example and say, I probably should talk to the rock instead of hit that rock. And then you get Elijah, who not only do we just need that base of obedience, but we need the fire. We need the prophetic desire for God. Both of these are paths. These are just different aspects of seeking after the face of God of he himself who became one of us and shows us the fulfillment of all the hopes of the lawgiver, of the king, of the hope of Israel from the law, the fulfillment of the sacrifices, everything that we see in the law. And then, of course, the spirit who speaks through the prophetic ministry throughout Israel. Tomorrow, we're going to look at the bottom of the icon, at Peter, James, and John. But for this evening, think about the Psalms. Think about conversing with our Lord in obedience to his commandments, but also getting the fire, realizing God's 
burning desire for us, that, that also sparks within us the same zeal that Elijah had. And then maybe we'll start to wake up like the apostles and be able to behold him here and now in all of his glory unto the ages of ages. Amen. Amen.